rescued from darkness into the hand of God. Has anybody here today walking through a dark season? Yes, anybody in need of rescue? Well, there's no better place to be than in the hands of our all-powerful, all-loving God. And that's going to be the focus of our series as we journey through the book of Exodus beginning next week. And so indeed, we do hope that you'll join us as we go through the Word of God together. But before we get to Exodus, we're going to make a pit stop in the Psalms. Why not end the summer with a little music before we launch into a very busy and active fall, right? Well, this morning, I'd like to look at a really well-known Psalm, Psalm 46. And the reason I'd like to look at Psalm 46 is because yesterday, as we already alluded to in the service, was a really important day in our nation. Yesterday was September the 11th, 2021. 20 years have passed since the events of September 11th, 2001, and that was a dark day. On that day, many people felt the need for rescue. And so I just ask you, where were you on September the 11th, 2001? Some may have been at work, others at school, and still others in the audience, they hadn't, you hadn't been born yet. You hadn't been born yet, so this event might not uh, carry as much emotional resonance with you, but it's an important day to remember. To remember, because people on that day turned the news on in their kitchens, or they listened on the radio, or they walked outside at work. Smartphones were not commonplace. And personally, I will never forget where I was that morning. I was in college, in my bed, as any good college student would be on a Tuesday morning. (laughs) And my roommate, who did have an early morning class, ran in, flung open the door, and said, you have to turn on the television, which at the time was a little 13-inch TV. And then we watched in horror as, we, as the Twin Towers burned and they collapsed. And for those of us who grew up or we lived or we worked or we went to school in the New York City area, this was especially tragic because we knew people, or we were the people, who worked in those towers. And so even today, 20 years later, news footage of that day brings back raw feelings, like stunned disbelief. Literally jaws dropping, anger, anxiousness, fear, sadness at the loss of life. Now, you probably remember where you were on September the 11th, 2001. But what about September the 12th? Because today is the 20th anniversary of September the 12th, 2001. And that day is also important. Because September 12th was the day that those events of 9-11 started to sink in. In fact, here was some newspaper headlines from that day. Uh, It's war, writes the Daily News, the New York Daily News. U.S. attacked, shouted the New York Times. Nearly 3,000 lives lost, although at that point we thought it could have been more. Families grieving lost loved ones, wondering where their loved ones were. Perhaps the Denver Post is the one that got it most correct. They just simply said, darkest hour. September 12th, 2001 is important because on that day we realized everything's going to change. We realized our need for rescue. And the need is born often out of a place of darkness. You see, September the 11th shook us to the core, but on September 12th, we started to realize what that meant. That meant that we are not as safe as we thought we were. The reality of life after the fall is that bad things happen in our world, and we usually get no warning. It's a terrorist attack, It's a natural disaster, it's sudden health issues, it's broken relational trust. These events remind us that life is not safe, bad things happen. But the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? 
Well, one of two reactions usually results. First, you can have the reaction of panic. Then, now, some form of panic usually arises in a crisis, and there's a spectrum. So you ask, what will we do? What comes next? The heartbeat accelerates. The breath gets more shallow. People, some people, can't handle stress. Others can do it a little better. Now, a second reaction is one of trust. And that's, I think, if you're a Christian, you know that's maybe the one that you should go to, but you have a hard time getting there. And even if you're listening or watching this and you're not a Christian, you know, when, when tragedy happens, you realize maybe things are out of control and I need to start looking outside of myself. We know intuitively we should do that, but instead, often, we try to go it alone. We try to do it under our own power. Major events in life reveal where our trust lies. Now, September the 11th was a watershed moment for many of us, but a second moment, which all of us are living through right now, was the events of the last year, 2020 to 2021, and counting. Again, an invisible enemy seemed to invade our lives, this time with far more impact on our everyday activities. And sadly, this time, the reaction in the country was far from united. You remember after September the 11th, there was a lot of unity coming together? Well, during COVID, the country seems to have just gotten more divided. Politics, race relations, even educational institutions, the medical industry have been shattered, trust is low. And for most people, it starts to feel, and it has been feeling, like the world is in chaos at being ripped apart. When bad things happen, and they have, and they will, what will you do? Will you panic? Or will you trust that our God is sovereign over all things? Because that is what Psalm 46 is about. And we need Psalm 46 on September the 12th, 2001. And, I, and listen, I hope and I pray that this will be our song as we enter a new year of activities and excitement. May the words of this song just wash over you. May it, may it produce music in your heart. Psalm 46 provides a roadmap for navigating crisis, and it shows us three responses. Three simple responses. I'm just going to say, you got to look up, you got to look forward, you got to look back. Look up, look forward, look back. That's what Psalm 46 shows us. Now, before we dive into that, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my friends who are here today, for my friends who are watching later on, those that may be listening to this. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just bring your peace would you, would you show us that you are a shelter in the storm? Whatever storm it is that we are walking through, Lord God, would you, would you lift our eyes up to see our help comes from you, our help comes beyond this world, Lord God, because you are sovereign over all things and you step into our brokenness. Be with us today. Encourage us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so when bad things happen... When crisis strikes, our first reaction, as I just said, is often not to look up toward God, even though we know we should. Instead, what we do is we tend to look inward, which can really lead to despair and self-pity. Or we work as hard as we can to overcome that, overcome that situation on our own, which leads to exhaustion. Now, the backdrop of Psalm 46 is also one of crisis, although the exact nature is really never identified. Some commentators suggest, well, it could have been um, composed in reaction to a particular historical event, such as the attack on Judah during Jehoshaphat's reign in 2 Chronicles 20, or even the attack on Jerusalem during Hezekiah's time. Now, we don't know, but the language suggests such a connection. 
And additionally, many people believe the psalm was read during an annual drama festival in the temple, which celebrated God's kingship over the earth. Now, despite the ambiguity, it, it does certainly seem that there's the occasion for Psalm 46 was born out of some 9-11 type event. And the first few verses reflect that. Look at how the song begins. The writer says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, this verse is meant to be one of comfort. And if you focus on just a few words, the first one being trouble, which is the Hebrew word sarah, it has a depth of meaning. And that word conveys the idea of distress, which is an oppressive state of physical and mental and social and economic adversity, like it's coming at you from all sides, you're being crushed. And then this distress produces a linked concept, that of anguish, which stresses the body and the mind. All that to say, Something very, very bad has happened here. Now, I'd invite you to pause right now and just think about how your body reacts when you receive tragic news or you're, or you're just pushed to the brink, right? What do you feel? Right? Usually there's like this warm feeling in your chest, or your muscles tense up, your shoulders rise, you just, you can't concentrate or you're sharp with people. This is our physiological reaction to the trouble the psalmist is talking about here. And in the midst of that trouble, the psalmist belts out the stanza and expounds on God's character. What does he say? He says, God is our refuge and strength. In, any words, in other words, he's not just any refuge, he's a strong refuge. Or another word that can be used here is he's our sanctuary. God provides security and shelter. He's our protective covering in the weather. In other words, to give you a visual, God is our umbrella. Now, we take this tool for granted because, after all, I can go pick up something like this at Home Depot for $5. But a basic umbrella was not really available in the ancient Near East. In fact, it was the Chinese who invented the, the umbrella many, many years ago, the waterproof umbrella. And so it's really uncertain whether this was available widespread in Israel. But when harsh weather came in, you'd probably want some protection. Or if the sun was beating down on you, something like this helps. And I think what the picture the psalmist is painting here is when the storms of life hit, when the hurricane items of the world drop 10 inches of rain on your town, you want to be under God's protective covering because he's our strong refuge and he wants to help. Now, I have to add a little bit of nuance here because some might hear that and say, well, Pastor Bob, when the storms of life came, God didn't protect me. All right, my loved one still got sick. My house still got flooded. I still lost my job. God is our umbrella, yes, but he doesn't promise that the rain won't come. In this life, he doesn't promise that we will always be spared. Instead, what he promises is that he will walk with us through the midst of trials. What does David write in Psalm 23, 4? He writes this, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, not, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right, so again, what does it say? It says, in the valley of the shadow of death, in the storms and trials of life, in our pain, God will walk with us. And sometimes it is true that God saves us through the trials, and his protective covering is his presence and his future hope, which brings comfort. 
Now, the prophet Isaiah expresses a similar sentiment, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He writes, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, notice that he does not say that you will be spared trial. No, it assumes adversity. There will be deep waters. There will be fires of oppression. But you will not drown. You will not burn. Why? I will be with you. Now, friends, sometimes we think that the only, we're only protected if bad things don't happen. But the reality is bad things do happen. And God walks with us through them. He opens his umbrella in the midst of the downpour. And this leads into the next two verses of Psalm 46, where the psalmist writes, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And this is, listen, this is beautiful poetry here, beautiful images that he's bringing out, because the, the author is contrasting and showing us the tension we're speaking about in this, in this message here. First, notice... Notice that he talks about the earth and the mountains. And these images serve as a symbol of everything that is unshakable and immovable in our lives. The earth is solid. The mountains are solid. In Psalm 121, the author tells us what? He says, lift your eyes up to the hills to see where your help comes from. Why? Not just because the mountains are strong, but they also orient our eyes upward toward God. Look up. Look up, he says. In the New Testament, Jesus is described as our what? As our rock. Now, by contrast, the sea throughout Scripture is synonymous with chaos. In, the psalm, in this psalm, the seas are viewed as violent. In fact, in ancient Near Eastern mythology, there was a, there was a multi-headed sea monster known as Yom, who was a great serpent who ruled the seas. And if you read Daniel chapter 7, in his prophetic word, he portrays monsters coming up from the sea. The comparison is obvious here. The earth and the mountains bring safety and security, but the sea upends everything. In fact, the sea maybe even represents a combination of 9-11 and 2020 put together. Now, when comparing those, those images, it's natural to ask a few questions. The first question would be, where do you, find, where do you run to for security? I mean, we all want to be safe, right? Where do you run to for security? Is it your daily routine? Which, if that gets upended, it's like chaos. Is it your, is your health record? The psalmist is telling us that we find true safety and security in God. When, and the second question is, when does life feel chaotic? And this can occur on a small scale, right? You just moved. Your house is a mess. You didn't prepare for that meeting. But it can also happen on a larger scale. So the country feels like it's falling apart. Your health is failing. Your family is fractured. Those are major, major chaotic upending things. But it's in those moments, the psalmist says, that you need to look up. Look up. Look to the king who can slay the sea monster in your life. Because of his power, you need not fear. Even though the weather changes, God is still the shelter that never changes. Look up. Now, fear is an important concept to unpack because it is the thing that brings panic into our lives. When life feels chaotic, it can produce what people call a panic attack. And during an attack like this, parts of the brain 
tied to fear become super hyperactive. Hormonal adrenaline floods your bloodstream, your body's on high alert, your heartbeat quickens, breathing becomes shallow, your senses are sharp, you cannot relax. That's what fear does to us. Now imagine living that way on a daily basis. And some of you might say, well, I, I don't have to imagine, I am living that. Isn't it exhausting and stressful? And yet, this is where many of us have been. But what the psalmist is saying here is to stop, open that umbrella, and allow God to be your refuge, your place of safety. Allow his perfect love to cast out fear, as John writes. Now, to do that, we need to look up. But the truth is, many of us don't. We don't look up. Why don't we look up? Well, I think for a couple reasons. The first reason I think we don't look up is we want to believe that we're stronger than we actually are. It's very difficult for many people to ask for help. And so what we do is we like to project an image that we have it all together. And can I just say, personally for myself, because I can be like this, there's an element of pride in this. It's our sin nature creeping in. Do you remember last year when New York had crushed the curve with COVID and their governor held a press conference about the initial accomplishment? Now, listen, I understand, and to caveat here, I understand the need for protections and precautions and safety, and there is some human volition needed here. But what, the, what, what did the governor say? He said, God did not do this, we did. I'm not really sure it worked out for the governor in the end. <laughs> but his statement reflects a dark attitude lurking in our hearts because we needed to be sober-minded and recognize who is God. Now, the second reason we don't look up is because we're comfortable with catastrophizing. When someone catastrophizes, this means we are always picturing the worst outcome in a situation, a glass-half-empty attitude. And in doing this, we're inviting people to feel sorry for us. And, and if we're honest, that can feel good, right? It can feel very, very good. Woe is me, we say. And then somebody gives us attention, and it feels, it feels comfortable. But it does not reflect a heart trusting in God's power and protection. And it certainly does not lead us out of darkness. In fact, in many ways, it leads us further into it. The mountains symbolize safety and security and peace. That's the place we want to be. The sea represents chaos and disappointment, a place where we find ourselves. And it's in between those two realities that there's a gap. And when there's a gap, that's usually where we experience what we call suffering. When our desires and our reality, the reality of our life, don't, don't match up. Now, if you want more training on the topic of suffering, that, that kind of in-between place, I would remind you that we're having a suffering seminar this uh, coming Saturday. Uh, if you haven't signed up and you're interested in coming, please sign up. We want to make sure we have enough food. We want to make sure everybody gets fed. You don't want to come and be hungry as we're talking about suffering because that, be, that would bring more suffering. Um, it's going to be a really profitable time for growth. And I think the, the seminar will teach us that we need to look up when trials come. But once you look up, you also need to take another step. You then need to look forward. Look forward. Because when you look up, God shows you the bigger picture, that this world is not all there is. There is more. And you can have hope. And that's where the psalmist takes us next in verse 4. The psalmist says this, A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home 
of the Most High. Now, what is the, you see what the author does here, right? right? In the last verse, the sea was a symbol of chaos, a place where monsters come from. But now, it has positive connotations, right? Rivers often bring life to a person or place in, in the Bible. And here we learn that there is a joy-bringing river because we need water to live. And notice where it's flowing, right? It's flowing to the city of God. Now, the city of God also is a concept woven throughout the Old and the New Testaments. It's prominent, especially in the Psalms, where it refers usually to Jerusalem. Now, the irony is that Jerusalem uh, would probably not have been a great city except for the fact that God chose it. In other words, if God had not chosen to make it his home, Jerusalem probably, probably would have been nothing. In the 4th century, St. Augustine famously wrote a book entitled The City of God. And in the book, he contrasts what has been known as the city of man, where it's a place where that's ruled by selfish, earthly desires, with the city of God, where the eternal truths of God reign supreme. Now, Augustine wrote the book as an argument for the truth of Christianity over and against competing religions and philosophies, because the reality is that the Christian can look forward with hope because one day the true city of God, the new Jerusalem, will come to earth. Look at what John says in Revelation 21. He paints the picture of this. He says, So he, Jesus, took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. When we look forward, this is what we see. John sitting on top of a secure mountain, getting a sneak peek of the heavenly city that is to come. It's coming down to touch earth. And this city we see here is fortified. It's strong. Death and mourning, we learn in these verses, will be obliterated. One day we will live there. But even now, the psalmist offers a wonderful truth in verse 5. Look at what the psalm says. It says, God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. There's that protection again. Now, there's peace in Jerusalem. Why? Because God dwells there. Now, interestingly, on the anniversary of September the 11th, we remember events that happened in America's greatest city. 20 years ago, that day felt... Very chaotic, like the earth was rumbling beneath our feet, literally. We didn't know what was coming next, and we didn't want to look forward. But Psalm 46 and Revelation 21 show us two great truths. First, there will be a new city in the future. All will be made right. Second, God chooses to dwell with his people. First, it was in Jerusalem. Now it's in the heart of believers. God takes up residence inside us, and because of that, we can have peace. Why? Because from the very break of day, God will protect you. Again, this does not mean that challenges won't come in our lives, but God will walk with us. And he offers the future hope of the new heavens and the new earth. And friends, listen, this is why the Christian view of suffering is so distinct. Because no matter what trials come in your life, no matter what happens, hope awaits God will protect and preserve his people. One day, there is a future hope. Do you believe in that protection? If not, fear is going to supplant peace in your heart. And you will look elsewhere for protection and purpose. And that's where the psalmist goes next in verse 
6. What does he say? He says, the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. Nations are in chaos. Kingdoms crumble. Now, what's interesting in our world today is that the place many people run to for protection is politics. Political power will get us through. Politics has even taken on this this religious overtone for many folks. Politicians themselves speak in moral narratives, offering offering to provide the help we need. Lift your eyes up. Where does your help come from? Washington, D.C. And yet, in this psalm, we are reminded that earthly nations rise and they fall. And today, it feels like these nations are in chaos, doesn't it? But notice the second half of the verse. It says, God's voice thunders. It's a language of triumph, of power. And the psalmist cements this truth in the next verse. He says, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And this is where the swell of music will crescendo. It's going to get very loud because chaos is followed by what? By triumph. 20 years ago, the buildings collapsed, but Christian, remember that no matter what happens in the nation, God's kingdom will endure. His invisible army is with you like he was with Elisha in 2 Kings 6. Or as we look forward to our study on Exodus, God tells his people as they leave Egypt, he says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Chill. There's always hope as you look forward, awaiting the arrival of the new city coming to earth. And again, that's why the Christian view of suffering is different. Because in the end, everything will be okay. Now, what does all that mean, practically? Well, I I think it means that Christians should not be shaken when the world falls apart. We don't run around like the sky is falling. God is in control. And we need to be so confident in that future hope that other people see something different within us. What did Jesus say to his followers in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 14, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now there's that city language again, right? There will be a physical new Jerusalem that comes to earth, yes, but until that time, the people of God are like a city scattered throughout the world leading people to the true light of the world. We're called to lead people forward to Jesus, and one day he will return and he will sit on his throne. Because the reality is right now, listen, people are hurting in our world. Last week, a lot of people were impacted by this rainfall of Hurricane Ida. In fact, you might have been one of those those people. People lost a lot. Christians in Afghanistan right now are wondering and fearing for their lives. In those moments, we need to point people back to this umbrella image and remind people that God has a protective covering. He's going to get us through the trials in this life or the next. It's going to be okay. Look forward. Look forward even beyond this life. And while we're here, remember this and start building is what the scriptures tell us. What was Jeremiah's call to the people of Israel in exile? He gives them a beautiful vision of what what their call is right now. 
He says this in Jeremiah 29. He says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He's exiled into Babylon from Jerusalem. He says what? He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. And more than that, find spouses for them so that they may have grandchildren. Some of you are saying, amen. Yes, I got to do that. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. See, God is among us. He is our fortress. He will protect you. So what do you do? Right now, you seek the welfare of the city where you've been called, wherever you're living. Build homes. Plant gardens. Start families, big families, and then bless the community you live in. Why? Because you are pointing people toward the future hope of a new heavens and a new earth made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. When 9-11 happened, as I mentioned before, I was a sophomore in college, and our school was performing, and I, I did drama and musicals and stuff, we were performing a musical called Godspell. Maybe you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's a musical that tells the story of the life of Jesus, primarily by using the parables in Matthew's gospel. It's got great music, awesome, but after 9-11 happened, we chose to take a creative risk and actually set the musical at ground zero. And it was pretty powerful because the point was this, Jesus comes into our brokenness and redeems us. There's even a song in the musical called Beautiful City. When disaster strikes, you need to look up. Your hope comes from God. And then you have to look forward because our future hope will get us through any adversity. Don't panic, trust God. But then you ask, well, how do I know I can trust God? Well, that's when you have to start looking back. You look back. Look back because then you see all that God has done. You have to look back at how faithful he's been. And if you've forgotten, and this is the word that the, the Lord uses for the Hebrews over and over again, he says you've got to remember, remember, remember his works. Remember why you can trust him. Look at Psalm 46, 8. What does he say? He says, come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. Now, first, the phrase come see is an invitation to look back at the saving acts of Yahweh God in the scriptures. And if you haven't done this, uh, this is going to be a big part of what we do as we look through uh, the Exodus series this fall. Because the story of Exodus of God, is of God saving his people from slavery out of darkness. And it's a narrative that's repeated and referenced over and over and over again throughout Scripture. What does he say? He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery. He is the God who sent his son to earth as a baby, to rescue us by dying a cruel death on the cross. Those stories run parallel. Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. Now, the second part of this verse shows that not only did God defeat Israel's enemy in their time, but in the future, he will defeat our great enemy, Satan, and put an end to evil on this earth. So look at the, the imagery he uses in verse 9. The psalmist says, he causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow. He snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Friends, that's good news. Wars will cease. 
in Africa, in the Middle East, all over the world. War will be done in the end. Jesus will rule and there will be peace. How do I know he's capable of this? Because you look back and you see what he did in the past. Psalm 46, 8 and 9 is an invitation to trust God's power. And it's an invitation for us to look at our own lives. Look back and ask, where have you seen God bring you through? Can you sing, come and see what God has done? Because you see, when you look back on what God has done, there's at least two places you can find an anchor. The first one is when you reflect on your experience. Reflect on your experience. Now, my wife and I, we have a, we have a box in our bedroom that we, we often put artifacts in. And things like cards and pictures and you know, whatever that helps us to remind, that reminds us of how God has provided how God has protected, how he's brought us through difficult moments in our lives. It's a reminder of how God worked in the past, and it builds faith towards how he still will work in the future. Now, the second thing you got to do is you got to ruminate on Scripture. Ruminate on Scripture, because God has revealed himself to us in his written word. And if you want to look back and see how God has acted throughout history, how he's fulfilled his promises, how he has guided, provided for, protected his people, you have to know the Bible. And one of the things that concerns me in our day and age is just a rise of biblical illiteracy. That people today do not know the Bible, or they think they know the Bible and they quote it out of context and use it to justify their agenda. We know themes. We know some stories, but can you articulate the storyline of the Bible? Can you articulate why you believe what you believe right from Scripture? If you can't, you can't look back fully. You don't know what's happened. Because looking back brings comfort and peace. And this is what he says in verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were just still and knew that he was God? We live such busy lives that we don't stop. We don't reflect. We don't like silence. So I'm going to ask us to do something maybe uncomfortable right now. I want us to be silent for 60 seconds. I want us just to be still and know that he is God. And, and take this time just to look back on how he's worked in your life. 60 seconds right now.
well, <laughs> longer than you think. But when you're silent, that's when his umbrella can open over top of you in a really tangible way. When you start to feel his presence in the storm. And you can reflect how the struggles made you who you are. In fact, maybe that's a discipline you want to build in your normal time with the Lord, just to be silent before him. Because these challenges actually bring us closer to God because we recognize that he's greater than anything we challenge, anything we face. And his covering is over us and he's going to bring us through. He's going to bring us through as we look forward, as we look up, as we look forward, as we look back. When you're walking through the darkness of crisis, Psalm 46 is an open umbrella that shows us the pathway to peace. So I'm going to leave us today with the question we started with. When crisis comes, will you panic or will you trust? Because crises coming into our lives are inevitable. And, and when they come, there's a natural reaction to panic. But what if we paused, took a deep breath, and in the stillness remembered who is in control? God, who will one day be honored by every nation throughout the world. And the refrain of our song will be this. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he is a protective covering, that his umbrella will be over you? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on stage for one final song. And as they come, I want to share a story that I, I've shared up here before, um, but it's been a while, and it's really, a, man, it's, really, it's really an important story that I, I've has had a big impact on my own life. So... I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey, about 50 minutes south of here. And on 9-11, Middletown, New Jersey was the, the suburb in New Jersey that lost the most amount of people to the World Trade Center collapse. Bedroom community, much like up here. But there was one man, one man whose story has always captured my heart and my mind. He's a Middletown, New Jersey native, may have heard of him, maybe not, a guy named Al Bracca. And Al, man, Al loved Jesus. <laughs> he worked on the 105th floor. And Al hated his job. He really did. He, he was thinking about quitting, didn't want to do it anymore. But yet, as he spent his time with the Lord, the Lord impressed upon him, no, I, I have you there for a reason. Um, it's not time to go. Well, on the uh, morning of September the 11th, 2001, Al went to work, was in the building, was on the 105th floor when the planes hit the tower. And he knew, he knew right away there was no escape. He was going to die. And Al had a choice in that moment. And we, we know what happened because people were calling home after this. He, he loved Jesus and he got up and he talked with his coworkers whom had mocked him for his faith in the past. And he said, now's the time. The only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. And he preached the gospel and everybody on his floor came to Christ that day. And we know that because they were calling home to their families and they were saying, listen, we're, we're not going to make it. But it's going to be okay. 
we're going to go be with Jesus. And listen, I, listen I've, been, I've been to the, the memorial many times. I've been down to the museum. It is intense. And every time I go there, I, I think about this story and how God used this guy who hated his job but wanted to be faithful to Jesus, who trusted him in a powerful way to bring people far from God under his protective covering. The blood of Jesus covered them, saved them. They were not saved in this life, but they entered into the arms of Jesus for eternity. And that is the hope we have in the future, no matter what. Church, what a way to go. I mean, it makes me ask the question of myself, what will I do when trouble comes? Will I panic? Or will I trust God and proclaim the gospel? What will you do? Because the trials are coming. And trials are always an opportunity to point people to the protective covering of Jesus Christ. And when people know Jesus, nothing else matters. It's going to be okay. Look up. Look forward, and then you look back, because the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today, Lord. I don't know how everybody has entered this room, what their experiences were 20 years ago, or even today, in the last couple weeks, Lord, but you do. You do, and you're a God who promises to walk with us through whatever trials come. And we can find our rest in you, our, our security, our shelter in you, Lord God, as you open up that protective umbrella over us, Lord. doesn't mean we won't go through trials, Lord, but it does mean that we have a future hope, that you're going to be with us. And so I pray that, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage some people here today, or even if they're listening later on, would you encourage them right now? Would you make your presence felt very tangibly, Lord God? And may you get the glory you are owed. You will be honored in every nation, Lord. We trust you, and we give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen.